Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Dilly ding, dilly dong. The Tinker Man is back in the Premier League. Claudio Ranieri is the new Watford manager. The Italian takes charge of club number 21 of his career and becomes the Hornets' 14th managerial change in 10 years. But will it work this time? We discuss the arrival of the former Leicester, Fulham and Chelsea boss at Vicarage Road on today's podcast. And continuing with the Italian theme, Tammy Abraham has been called up to the England squad. The Roma striker has got off to a flying Serie A start under Jose Mourinho. We asked before why he wasn't in the three-line squad for this international break. Now he is. And as it is the international break, you always get a juicy transfer story or two, of course. Raheem Sterling and Donny van der Beek in the papers this morning. All of that to come here on Football Social Daily, the only Premier League podcast with a new show every single day of the top flight season. If you hit subscribe or follow or whatever it may be on whichever platform you listen to the show on, that way you won't miss an episode from us again, even when there's no Premier League football for a couple of weeks. I'm Niall McCorn and joining me today to go through it all, I'd like to think sipping his espresso in a linen shirt with a copy of Gazetta Dello Sport, but it probably isn't quite like that. We've got Marley Anderson. Morning, Marley. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm not kidding. I'm sat here with a brew. Like I do every podcast when we do it from home. Sat here with a brew and a packet of custard creams. <laughs> <laughs> Have a change from custard creams? Or is it always custard creams? Find me a better biscuit. You can't. Custard creams all day. Oh, that's a that's a controversial start to the podcast today. That's a podcast in itself, isn't it, really? It is a podcast in itself. We better ask our other guest making his football social daily debut on the show today, more likely to be sat at home with a brew and decked out in Harris Tweed because he is a Yorkshireman. Ben Ibsen, how are you doing, mate? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Now, I wish I was sat here with a brew and some biscuits, but custard creams, interesting choice for this time of the day. Maybe thinking more bourbons or hobnobs. Yeah, I was going to say, what's your biscuit of choice? Hobnob, every single day of the week. Fantastic biscuit. 
<laughs> Do you know what? That's a 50-50 split, that. Because I know a lot of people that don't like hobnobs. Are you going for the chocolate-dipped ones or just the plain ones? Chocolate-dipped ones. Okay, fine. You've got to be indulgent. <laughs> Next well, level. Next level. <laughs> less of the biscuit chat, more of the football chat. And, of course, Watford have appointed Claudio Ranieri as their new head coach on a two-year contract. We mentioned it on yesterday's show. Now it's been confirmed. The Hornets have taken the former Leicester, Fulham and Chelsea manager as their new coach. Much like we said on yesterday's show, Marley, what makes Ranieri a better choice than Cisco Mignoth was? Or is he a tool? What do you think the Italian can offer at Vicarage Road that we haven't seen already? Because we know it's a pretty brutal culture there when it comes to the achievements of a manager and what is expected. Uh, in truth, I don't know what he can bring that... Well, I don't know. I know he can bring experience and that is the main thing, but all all I think of with Ranieri is I, I love him as a person. I love his press conferences when he talks. He's he's engaging. He's he's likeable. Really like likeable man. But last time he was in the Premier League, he had a pretty talented Fulham squad, and didn't do anything with them. Couldn't get them knitted together. And I just think his his powers have have long gone. I think the game's moved on a little bit too much without him. He hasn't done brilliant since going back to Italy. Um, ever since Leicester. I think he went to Roma, then he ended. He was at Sampdoria for a bit in between the Fulham spells, um, and I just don't think he's he's done enough to to get another crack at uh, at, at Watford. I think Watford are a poorer team than um, Fulham were in terms of personnel when when he came the last time. He lasted like a hundred and something days, so you know that is a very Watford style spell of of managerial like tendership, you know, a hundred and odd days, that is pretty much what you get at Watford. <laughs> so it would wouldn't surprise me if the the hand went back in the, the tombola of, of managerial names they've got sometime around January, February time. Well you're right. He only lasted one hundred and six days at Fulham. Watford becomes his twenty first club as a manager. I said this on yesterday's show, Ben. I don't know whether you agree with me or not. You might not do. But I feel like Claudio Ranieri now, as, as the, at the age of 69, it's his 21st club. He goes into a Watford culture where they've changed manager countless times in the last decade. He's got nothing to prove for me as someone who's won the Premier League with Leicester at a 5,000 to 1 shot. It feels to me now he's just kind of freewheeling towards the end of his managerial career. And he probably knows what environment awaits him when he goes to Watford. I see what you mean. And obviously at Watford, it is a very fast moving ship. If you don't perform quickly, you're going to be out the door the next. So, but one thing with Claudio Ramieri is that I don't, I don't think he's going to lose that hunger. He doesn't matter if he has to please fans or what other people think of him. As a manager, he'll turn up there every single day and he'll have this hunger. And in the Premier League, all you have to do is string a bit of a few results together, get a bit of momentum behind you and you can accelerate up the league or to safety. And I think that's what's required of him coming into Watford, obviously he might not be as under as much pressure as he maybe has been elsewhere in his career. But I do think that he's a good he's a good fit for the club and I think that he will come in, add a bit of excitement to this team, which I know Marley mentioned this Fulham team was probably a little bit better when he, he joined there. But there are some exciting players in this team and if he can get them behind him, he can probably accelerate to get some results for the club. Yeah, well, I remember when he was at Leicester, he'd always say, when they keep a clean sheet, I'll buy them pizza. But I don't know how many clean sheets Watford are going to keep between now and the end of the season. I don't think he'd be shelling out too many expenses on pizza, the way things are going. But I did see a Watford fan say, Marley, on social media, this is the ruthless nature of the modern game. When things aren't working, you need to make a change. And I wasn't sure how I felt about that tweet. 
were things truly not working with Cisco Minos? Is that a fair accusation to level at him? And secondly, is that attitude of the game being ruthless and changes needing to be made, is that just an attitude of Watford fans, which has been sculpted by the actions of the owners over the years? Watford fans aren't blind to what's been going on. They know that they've had 14 managers in 10 years. Everyone talks about it. Everyone mentions it when another manager gets the chop. They've just become accustomed to it, it feels like, to me. Yeah, that's that's probably what it is. You know, you you do get used to it after 14, 14 managers in 10 years. You know, you don't... You don't send anyone a Christmas card because they might be gone by Christmas. You know what I mean? Like it's not they don't build up any long term like love of a manager because they know he could be you know three defeats in a row away from the sack. Um, I still I don't care what anyone says about oh this is this is how we work. I still think it's incredibly harsh. Seven points from seven games is a decent start. He got him promoted from the championship when it didn't look that likely. Um, coming in as a relatively unheard of. Um, manager who you, no one really knew much about um still not many people know much about him now because he wasn't given that much time to to um to to sort of put his stamp on on Watford in the Premier League like I think whoever you bring in as Watford manager I think they're going to struggle because I don't think they're one of the clearly the best teams in the league I think they've got a lot of bang average players um capped by Ben Foster I should say um, getting games in goal at 59 years old whatever he is <laughs> you still hate Ben I Foster I don't get I don't, it <laughs> I don't get it right on bet right did you see Longstaff's goal at, at, against Watford that screamer did you see it from the reverse angle when Ben Foster got two hands to it and still managed to pat it into his own goal it's madness <laughs> he's old Marley yeah he's old so he shouldn't, he shouldn't be playing he should be one of them third choice backup goalies and concentrate on his little YouTube career as the cycling goalkeeper wow bloody hell that's an intriguing title um, well, okay then. Yeah, on, yeah. on Ben Foster how do you think experienced players like he feels about this you know he's been at Watford a while now how do you think he feels, Marley, about the he's fact that you've bothered. got another manager coming in through the door? Do you think he cares? Do you think the players care or are they used to it? He's he's not bothered. I don't think you know, he's he's too long in the tooth to have um to be surprised by anything now. He's he's um you know, he's at the back end of his career, he's trying to get games and and I, I think especially as a goalie, like, you know, it's it's like you know, you've all, you've only it, the challenge is always the same. It's not like he's going to come in and play a different formation where he goes without a goalkeeper. You know, you've got to pick one or the other. You've got to be, pick him or Backman, and that's it. So it's his his challenge has remained the same really. So I don't think he'll be losing too much sweat over it. He'll probably be more confident actually because you think of Ranieri, he probably does want some sort of safe hands somewhere and someone he can trust, and he probably feels like he can trust Foster, but. Uh, it's, you know, as as you know, I think he's a, an awful goalkeeper, but that's uh, that's that's not for me to decide. But I don't care because even if he is awful all season, it means there's one one more team possibly below Newcastle. <laughs> well, on that point, I think we should mention Watford fifteenth in the Premier League table, as you say, seven points from seven games heading into this international break. If you look at the teams below them, Ben, one of them obviously is Newcastle in the relegation zone, but underneath Watford, you've got Leeds United, Southampton, Burnley, then it's Newcastle, and bottom of the pile, Norwich City. So in terms of Watford making a good start, seven points from seven games, they've won a couple of games, you know, they've performed well in a couple of games. But also, if you look at the teams below them, do you look at the likes of Leeds, Southampton, Burnley, Newcastle, probably not Norwich, I think we can all agree that they're in some serious trouble. But if you look at a cluster of those teams below Watford, do you think that they probably will overtake them at some point, considering the quality of the teams below them? 
See, this is where it becomes an interesting decision because seven points from seven for a team that's just being promoted isn't a bad return seven games into the season. And you do look at the teams below them, obviously, Leeds United, they were very strong last season. They play exciting football. You wouldn't think that they'd be round the bottom of the table for too long in the season because they do play exciting football and they will score goals. Southampton and Burnley sort of fall into the same bracket where they've been Premier League teams for a long time now and they're sort of establishing this status and whether or not they will continue this this season because three teams have got to go down. Obviously, Newcastle are sitting down there as well. Marley, sorry to mention that, but they're not looking too confident under Steve Bruce, which is a decision itself. Obviously, heard you mention it on yesterday's podcast. But if you do look at the games coming up for Watford, they've not got an easy run in the next five games. They've got Liverpool, Everton, Arsenal and Manchester United coming up after the international break. And I think that's going to be a huge period for their club. And especially Ranieri coming in, you want to hit the ground running. He couldn't have had a more difficult start. Obviously, Liverpool will be at home. So that gives them a bit of an added bonus. But I also want to come in one thing. Obviously, Ben Foster is a big name in the change room, but obviously lost Troy Deeney and he will have been, I'm sure, a huge character in the change room. So how big of a loss will he be in terms of now they've got a new manager and they sort of need that leader and he's obviously no longer there anymore. Yeah, it's a really good point, actually. And I think one that's overlooked and despite the fact Troy Deeney, I think last season wasn't really um, as involved or at least the season before in the Premier League when they went down, when the whole COVID thing was first kicking off. I don't think he was too keen to to get involved, but definitely I think that his character around the dressing room might well be a miss about the place. I do agree what you say, Ben, as well, in terms of Ranieri coming in. Do you think that now is a good time for Watford to pull the trigger, as they have done, because of the games you mentioned that are coming up? And of course, it's the international break. So Ranieri has got 10 days, 14 days, whatever it is, to kind of settle down and at least try and establish something. Well, this thing, when you look at, sometimes managers get sacked early on in the season, but that is the only sort of the best opportunity for a club to do that. If a manager comes in post-Christmas period, it's always going to be difficult. The thick run of fixtures coming in quick, they don't really know the players, and that's where things can go wrong very quickly. But if they bring them in pre that Christmas run, where there is international breaks, they can come in and spend a weekend with the squad, whoever's not away on international duty. And I think that is the perfect place where they get to spend a little bit of time. Obviously, the perfect example would be coming in over summer, spending the pre-season, getting to know your players, letting them to know how you want your football being played. But obviously, I think that he's going to come in and he's, I think he will do a good job. He's got a, a bit of time with his players. And I think, he's, like I said, he's still a hungry manager. He's going to want to come in and sh- prove what he has. He did, obviously did fantastic at Leicester, didn't do too well at Fulham. But this is the Premier League. Everybody wants to be managing in the Premier League now. And I think he'll be happy to be back. And again, for him, it's another opportunity of getting his name out there and hopefully doing something good for a club like Watford. Well, Cisco Mignoth lasted 10 months. Ranieri lasted 106 days in his last stint as Fulham boss. How long will Watford stay in the Premier League? No, I think we'll go down. <laughs> Do you know who I haven't mentioned when it comes to Watford? Josh King. And he scored zero goals, so that kind of that's another problem. I tell you what, why don't we just talk about Sean Dyche and Steve Bruce for the rest of the show? Because you've gone in on Josh King, <laughs> you've gone in on Ben Foster, the two players that you really don't like very much. So why don't we just go for Steve Bruce and, and Sean Dyche just to complete the set? I would I would yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, crack on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll start a new show on the Sports Social Podcast Network called Marley's Moan, and it will just be once a week Marley can complain about all <laughs> 
all the things he doesn't like when it comes to the Premier League. Um, Watford have a new manager, Claudio Ranieri, back in the English top flight after a couple of years away. Will he be able to keep the Hornets up? Obviously, we will wait and see. Talking of Italy, Tammy Abraham has been playing Italian football after his switch from Chelsea to Roma, and he's got off to a really good start, so much so that he's been rewarded with a place in the England squad. We'll talk about that next here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show again. Brand new Premier League podcasts every single day of the top flight season. I'm Niall. I've got Ben and Marley alongside me. And we're going to talk about the England squad now because it is the international break. And Tammy Abraham was a name we mentioned last week when the initial three Lions squad was announced by Gareth Southgate. He wasn't in it. He was admitted, Tammy Abraham, after making a very good start at Roma. My question would be, Marley, does he deserve his call-up? I think that was what we were hinting at last week, and now he's finally got it, albeit a few days later. Yeah, I think he, he definitely does. I think he's... Um, I've seen a few few of his sort of performances in, in highlights and stuff like that. When, when he's been at Roma, he scored, I think it's four in nine in all competitions. Um... He scored. He was sorry. He was involved in one a while ago where he was involved in the build-up absolutely brilliantly. Like he came deep, he got the ball. I think he he dribbled past a couple of players, bounced it off a couple of guys, and I think it ended up with Mkhitaryan or or somebody scoring uh, um, the the actual goal in the end. So I think his overall level of of performance is really good, and that's that's what you want when you go to Roma, when you go to any club abroad. You you don't want to be forgotten about by the international manager because. If you think about him taking in three Premier League games of on a Saturday Sunday, you know you you, you almost think, well, I'm out of the loop here. He's not going to fly to Rome, you know, do a four hour flight to Rome and and come and watch me. So it's um it's something that is good for him. I think it's good for his career that he's gone and and got regular games at a good level, um, and he's got rewarded for it. Well, in the end. By England, so I think he's uh, he's definitely in that mix. I think when everyone's fit and firing, Abraham would probably be my my second choice striker behind Kane. Really, um, alongside probably Greenwood. Yeah, what ahead of someone like Danny Ings? I know you've praised him in in the past. Yeah, just because it, it yeah, just because it doesn't look like Ings is going to get a chance. So you never know with Southgate, and I think that's the thing. Um, I think that's the thing which frustrates many England fans. You never really know what he's thinking. You know, Steve mentioned it on last one of last week's podcasts, saying that you know he said that Jaden Sancho doesn't deserve to be in the England squad on current form, and yet he's in the England squad. So sometimes you don't really know exactly what Southgate's thinking, and maybe you have to take it with a pinch of salt. But in terms of Tammy Abraham going over to Roma, playing in Serie A, scoring goals, Ben, do you think that there's now a bit of a pathway being created for English players abroad? Because when I was growing up watching the Premier League, it was only really Owen Hargreaves who came over from Bayern Munich to play for England. And everyone was kind of like, I always used to ask my dad, who's this guy? Where's he from? Why does he play for England? Uh, You know, and every single time my dad had to go, oh, he's English. He plays for Bayern Munich in Germany because we, we didn't really have access back then to German football, Italian football as viewers. But now everyone can see a little bit more about what goes on on the continent. And actually, I think that there's probably less players worried about going over there to further their careers. I think that's actually probably a more encouraged thing now than it used to be. 
Exactly. And four goals in 10 appearances since he's obviously joined Roma isn't a bad return at all. And I think credit to him for taking the leap and going over there and playing his football. Obviously, you saw, saw Sancho in Dortmund, some Belligans there now. Is, that pathway is there for English players or British players to venture out elsewhere into Europe or different places in the world to play their football. Because like you said, that is there now. It's visible. People know what's going on. And there's been debates whether the Italian league, the Spanish league, the German league, which is the top league at the moment, obviously including the Premier League. But it's good to see players venturing out there and not just relying on their their getting in in the Premier League and, and doing well there, which obviously is the most visible league in the world. So it's great to see. And obviously he's gone over there with Mourinho, who seems to have backed him, which is something that you also like to see as well. And they look happy playing their football out there together. But going back to what you're saying about Gareth Southgate, I think he's one who protects his players. Obviously, we saw this in the World Cup. And I think this is a great... Andorra and Hungary, they're two opportunities to bring players in, give them a cap, get their confidence up. And when you're relating to things like Sancho, he's obviously not playing the great for United. But if he can get a goal or two for England, that could transform his confidence. And I think that is one good thing to note about Southgate is that he often does protect his players or wants what's best for his players, which obviously is an England manager is very difficult because you're sat there to be scrutinized to be knocked off your perch and I do think he's very good at doing that obviously results come in different ways whether or not he gets them but protecting your players is number one priority often and something that often gets overlooked I agree with what you say about Southgate I've mentioned this before when we've talked about England Marley and I'm not sure what your take is but I feel like Gareth Southgate kind of dips in here and there with players for instance the last international break he gave Patrick Bamford an opportunity in the England squad. He's given Ollie Watkins an opportunity in the past. Tammy Abraham, another striker who's been given a chance. It feels like he picks players here and there, gives them a cap here and there, and makes them feel somewhat part of a group and part of a squad. So even if they're not involved in the next international break, they almost feel familiar with the circumstances in the surroundings. And I feel like they're actually maybe uh, one of the smaller things that Southgate does that people don't really recognise as, as a point that he's doing it for is probably just to make those players feel comfortable and and okay with the environment that they're coming into. Say someone like Harry Kane gets injured and the striker in form at that time is Bamford or is Abraham, that they feel comfortable. They can just come straight into the environment and perform. Yeah, you you know it can't be underestimated. You know it's a weird sort of daunting thing. I would I would think going to going to England, even though you know everyone pretty much and you've played against them for for years. You know, you you're always gonna be like, "Am I good enough to be here?" And you know, what's it gonna be like training wise? I've I've heard loads of stories in the past about players like Joe Cole getting caught up, uh, called up for the England team for the first time, and not believing, not realizing how fast the pace was in in training with players like Gerard and Lampard and Scholes just smashing it about to each other <laughs> and and controlling it perfectly and stuff. And he thinks, "Christ, I've got to be really good here." And, I think Wayne Bridges has mentioned it's something similar on on podcasts and and programs and stuff like that. So you don't want, you know, if if the situation comes where Kane gets injured, you know, in May and uh, sorry, like next, what is it, like October, and the World Cup's like three four weeks away, whatever it is, you're uh, you want someone who's going to be comfortable to come in. Um, and that's you don't want to you don't want a repeat of Theo Walcott in two thousand and six or whatever it was when he turned up as a sixteen year old and he's you know 
turning up with his little rucksack of, of gear and trying to get used to something which he never really had a chance in doing. Yeah, imagine being 16 and turning up and David Beckham's there and his Preds pinging balls around. Yeah. I mean, you must be like, I don't care whether you've been playing pro football for a few months before, you're still going to be wide-eyed, starry-eyed when you're coming into that sort of environment for sure. Yeah, definitely, but that's that's the way it is. I think Southgate's doing all right, to be fair, in his in his... His his management of players it does seem good. It, he seems like a, you know, a really nice guy. You wanna you wanna play for him. You might not, you might might not be like a ruthless tactician, but in terms of creating a squad harmony and and sort of semblance, it's uh, it seems like he's doing he's doing pretty well, and that's been reflected in how England have played over the last couple of, of major tournaments. I think he's passionate as well. You might not always show it in press conferences, but on the touchline after a big result, like. You know, after that Germany game in the Euros and in the World Cup as well a couple of years ago, some of the passion he was showing in front of the fans, beating his chest and roaring. And I know that they're all kind of facades that you can easily look at and point at and go, oh, look, he's really passionate. But I think that's genuine from Gareth Southgate. I think he really does care um, about the success of England. And so he should do, being the national team manager. And maybe it's all part of a wider plan that he's got. But certainly Tammy Abraham in the squad and the names we mentioned, the likes of Tamori, Smalling, uh, Gray, Lookman, Bellingham, Sancho, all recent examples of players going overseas to test themselves. Even players like Callum Hudson-Odoi, I seem to remember, was attracting interest from the likes of Bayern Munich. Does that tell us a lot, Ben, about the quality of English talent that we've got at the moment, that other European leagues are looking to the Premier League and our youngsters that probably aren't going to get much of a chance to bolster their squads? Most definitely. And the best thing about it is they can go over there and express themselves. Because obviously one thing playing football in England is that you've always got the tabloids on your back. Whatever happens, there's always going to be a good or a bad headline written about you in the papers the next day. Whether or not you read into that, that's yeah, completely... We're slagging you off on the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but when they can go over abroad, they can go and express their football and they can play how they want to play. They pick up different cultures and obviously football's a mixed culture now. Everybody's playing. Everyone makes people feel welcome. So when they're going over there, they're learning new things. And the young lads, it's not like they're mid-20s going over there at the peak of the thing. They're, they're learning out there and that adapts English football. You see... Players from Spain playing their careers in the Premier League, playing in Italy, vice versa. And these these squads play such different football and exciting football. And I think, like you said, it maybe is a long plan that if these players continue to do this, they'll pick up new skills, pick up new traits that they'll then bring back to England training, which obviously is now such an accommodating place. All the players seem to enjoy training together, they look forward to the international breaks. And if you go back 10, 15 years... It was completely the opposite. The stigma surrounded English football just wasn't, it didn't look enjoyable. Players were segregated in the change rooms. They wouldn't want to speak to each other. They wouldn't want to pass each other the ball. 10 minutes, for, ten minute years later, things have completely changed and everyone really enjoys playing with each other. But going back to your point of players going abroad, I think it's a fantastic thing and it will branch English football as a national team further in the next few years I believe I think you're probably right and I think more players should test themselves abroad and I think it's a combination of factors that you mentioned do you agree Marley as well because you look at Tammy Abraham and the way he's performed and Sancho you know it's not their natural environment they are English lads that have gone out to a new culture and a new country but Ben's right there's no media scrutiny there's no pressure they don't know the language as well so you know they're not looking on social media and seeing 
you know, dog's abuse after a bad performance. You, know, you see people nowadays on Twitter with notepads and pens making notes of people's mistakes in games. I just don't understand it. You know, that is a culture surely you don't want to be part of as a player. So I think probably it, it does allow players to express themselves a little bit more, especially English ones when they go abroad. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be wouldn't be as sure about the abuse thing. I, th- I think we just don't see it as much when it's a load of Italian football mm. Twitter fans giving you know Abraham dogs abuse because he you know miscontrolled yeah. the ball or or missed a chance or whatever. But but Abraham, I don't think speaks Italian, so he probably won't <laughs> understand <laughs> it. I guess is what I mean. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Um, it's uh, but it's certainly like a respite from. You know the constant. Oh, you're always on the bench at Chelsea. You know, you know, you're never going to get a game. Blah blah blah. It, it probably is a nice little, like, refreshing thing to go and start afresh. But yeah, I mean, fair play to him. I, I like that he's gone out there. I like that more players have gone after the first one's gone. Like Smalling went, and then Tamori went. I know they went to different clubs, but it's still Italy and Rome and Milan is an hour apart on the train. I think, uh, or an hour and a half, two hours maybe. So. You know, and they're two huge clubs as well, aren't they? Of course. Exactly. Yeah. You know, steeped in history. You know, especially for defenders. You know, Italian football and defending is is like the holy grail, isn't it? So, it's a, you know, you see Smalling, you see Tamori go over there, you see um, uh, Abraham going over there now. We'll probably see more in future. I think Jack Wilshire was over there for a little while training with with an Italian team, and I seen him on. <laughs> he was. I seen him on. Sun, um, was it um, Sky Sports on Sunday at the weekend? And he was the most dull man in the world. He, he's, uh, I don't think he's got a uh, a career in um, in broadcasting anytime soon. Or he, he practically put me to sleep with all the stuff he was saying. But you know, he, even he went out there just to experience something different. Even if it was just the warm weather for a bit of training, that's it's you know people are trying it now. They wouldn't ten years ago. You didn't see anyone. You seen Owen Hargreaves who was one of the most sort of un-English people ever, but managed to play for the England team, born in Canada, raised in Germany, American parents <laughs> and all the rest of it, ended up playing for England. But he was, <laughs> even the way he played was was slightly different to what we had in the England squad, wasn't it? Because he, he played with the ball from a deeper position because he was more comfortable at the back. Whereas in that England team at the time, we had defenders who kicked it, headed it, lumped it um, and and smashed through it if it went past them. And then we had the midfielders who were all individually brilliant, but couldn't do it do it together. And then you had you know the strikers who were you know the, the strikers Owen and Heskey and what have you. But Hargreaves came along and he had you could see that different culture in his game. And I think the only way the the game's going now is is much better for everyone to to knit it together and have the the different styles you know manifest themselves in the England squad. Yeah, I think more players should go abroad and I'm really liking what I'm seeing. I mean, the look, the likes of Bellingham and Sancho, I mean, what an education to play in the Champions League at such a young age and form your career early doors against some top clubs and top players. I think I think it's a really good thing and I think Ben's right. It can only help the England squad in the future. In terms of an hour-long train between Rome and Milan, Marley, I don't know what sort of trains you've been getting on in Italy, but there is absolutely no chance you can get from Rome to Milan in an hour. <laughs> is that all right? I've been I've been it's on about... an Italian train. It's mint. I know, but it's about three hundred miles apart. There's no way. Really? Unless you're on a bullet. Unless you're on a bullet train. Maybe. Um, all I know is all I know is the um, the it's really good in Italy. The um, the trains in Italy is fantastic. It's. Uh, they're dead cheap. They're dead, um, like, uh, what's the word? Clean. Uh, really efficient. Everything turns up on time. It's brilliant. Love it. Makes a change from Manchester Piccadilly, to be fair. And um, any does. young footballers out there listening, fancy a 
a career in Italy, you should go because the trains are really good, says Marley Anderson. That's our take. Oh, away. it takes it takes three hours and five minutes. That's annoying. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're only wrong three times over. Don't worry about it. Sammy Abraham back in the England squad. Ben Chilwell's also been recalled. Good to see him back in the Chelsea team and back in the England squad. We're going to take another break here on Football Social Daily. And of course, because it's the international break, there's some transfer gossip to go through. We'll do it next after this. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the show. This is Football Social Daily and it's time to talk transfer gossip. It is the international break, so the newspapers always bring some juicy stories to the back pages. We'll start with this one from Mundo Deportivo, the Spanish newspaper, which suggests that Barcelona are considering whatever considering means these days. I'm considering what I want for dinner tonight, but it doesn't mean I'm actually going to make that decision. Uh, A swoop for Raheem Sterling, allegedly. Do you think that's a possibility if we take this story on face value, Ben? Considering the situation Barca are in right now financially, do you think that Raheem Sterling swapping Manchester for Catalonia is an option? I think Barcelona needs to look for a manager first, don't they? Or need to look for a country concrete <laughs> head coach. But whether or not Raheem Sterling is the answer to their problems, is he a replacement for Messi? I don't even know if that he falls into the same bracket as that, is it? When I first saw the headline, I was quite surprised by it, to be honest, because you obviously wouldn't expect that. But I could also see Raheem Sterling departing from Manchester City. I think he's had his time there and I could see him maybe wanting to move on or expand his career elsewhere. And obviously Barcelona would be a fantastic opportunity for him. He might think he can go in there and he can transform this club back and put it back in its original status. Obviously, they're not looking too good in recent times and he might think he's, he can do the job and go there and join his former teammate in Coutinho and and sort of drag the club back to where it was. But yeah, very interesting rumour, especially when the, there seems to be problems at the club that fall a lot far beyond signing big name transfers. But like I said, I could see him leaving City. I think City are in a good place and they can obviously bring people in. But for Barcelona, almost get the sense that they're clutching at straws a little bit. Yeah, it's an interesting point. And actually, I think the point that you make about Raheem Sterling leaving Man City is probably more of interest in this story rather than whether Barcelona are going to sign anyone. As you say, Ronald Koeman um, looks like he could be replaced by Xavi, uh, their former midfield player, I think has been out coaching in the Middle East somewhere. So that would be interesting to see what they go for in terms of uh, a managerial change. But when Ben mentions Raheem Sterling and perhaps his time coming to an end at Manchester City, is that something you'd agree with, Marley? Because it's not been a perfect two seasons for Raheem Sterling in Manchester City blue, but he had a very, very good Euros and there's still a hell of a player in there. Uh, Yeah, there is. I think... uh, I don't think he's done at Man City. It's just whether he fancies something different now. I think he's... How long has he been there now? Five, six years? Something like that. Um, maybe maybe longer. I can't remember. Um, but you know he's he's flourished into you know from sort of raw potential into a top top like world class player. He is he is class on his day. You know when he when he was at the Euros, you know practically carried England through three or four games where his his performance was the thing England hung the hat on, and he was he was superb. And um, you know a couple of years ago he he scored. Was his most ever goals for Man City? He ended up with like thirty odd in the season, which was massive for a winger who was always criticised for his his finishing. Um, 
So that's that's kind of proof that he's still quality and you know still has a lot to offer. He's still a good age for a move. I don't think Bars. I wouldn't. I wouldn't touch Barcelona with the barge pole. I don't think they're anywhere near out of this mire at the minute. I think Kuman's gonna obviously get sacked, but you know whether they bring in Javi. Javi's like a nice little you know story for them. But how good a manager is he? I'm sure he'd be better than Kuman, but. The fact is, Cummins just brought in a lot of Dutch lads into his squad and thought, yeah, these little do, because um, they're all Dutch and they'll they'll all love me. So Luke de Jong and Martin Braithwaite and you know Depay and all these players just aren't good enough. So I don't know whether Barcelona are anywhere near that type of um, squad that they used to be. Certainly not, you know, the one of 2012 where they were just you know just passing around everyone and couldn't let them get a kick of the ball. So. It's um it's a funny one because I don't think they're the most attractive club anymore. I think all the most attractive clubs in the world are in the Premier League. I think, you know, Chelsea, Man City, even Man United and, and Liverpool are way clear of, of most other places. Um Real Madrid also struggling a bit. They need a massive reform over the next couple of seasons. Juventus are, are struggling a little bit as well. So it's it's not as attractive as it once was, is is what I'm trying to say. So, even though he might fancy something new, is he not better? Where he knows Guardiola loves him, he knows he's going to get games. He might not start every game, but who is in that Man City squad? And I still back Sterling um, to to believe that he's a better option than Grealish a lot of the time as well. Yeah, just two Premier League starts for Raheem Sterling this season. Five appearances from the bench, seven in total and just a single goal. And actually last season, 10 goals in 31 games, which is quite a far stretch from the season before, 1920, where he scored 20 goals in 33 appearances. His overall record sees him on 97 goals in 297 games. So he's closing in on that 300th appearance and that 100th goal. He's got 50 assists on his day. He is a hell of a player, but the problem is perhaps from a Manchester City perspective in terms of his form at the moment, is he on his day enough right now? It's certainly an interesting story when it comes to Raheem Sterling. Will he end up joining Barcelona? But I think, Marley, you're right. They seem to have deeper problems over there in the Camp Nou than at first, perhaps, it looks like on the surface. From one player who hasn't started too many games this season in Raheem Sterling to another who definitely hasn't, and that's Donny van der Beek of Manchester United. This story comes from the Daily Mail, and they suggest that Everton will make a move for the Dutchman in January after they failed in their approach to take him this summer. Now, Ben, we watch a lot of Manchester United between us, but we don't get to watch much of Donny van der Beek. He doesn't really get much of a game under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Hence, naturally, stories are going to start coming out about his future. Does this come as any surprise to you at all? Not at all. Not at all. And I think his name has been in the headlines since he first joined United and he didn't hit the ground running. He didn't even get, he wasn't getting many minutes of football even then. And it's continued to this point now. And obviously you saw him venting his frustrations on the bench after Tuesday or Saturday, Saturday's game. And you do look at the situation and you, there's two sides of the pendulum, really. You think if he's in training and he's, he's smashing it in training, he's digging the trees up, he's doing whatever he can then he deserves his place in the squad. And I'm sure Solskjaer would be the first person to say, yeah, first name on the team sheet. But that's obviously not the case. And it almost seems that if he's sat there and he's sulking and he wants things to be different, but he's not doing it 100% to change it, then Solskjaer's not going to change his mind. And obviously look at the team Manchester United have got. They're still 
thinking about bringing players in in a similar position in that midfield area. So if you're thinking, well, that's going to happen, someone's going to have to make way, and obviously Donny heading to Everton, presumably, obviously, according to the Daily Mail, would be a good signing for Everton, I think. Um, I think he, he'd be a good player to add into their, their squad, whether or not, again, that's the starting eleven. I saw James Rodriguez maybe not doing too well there, so he could come in and take his role. But obviously, it's a very interesting rumour. That's all it is at the moment. And when it will happen is unsure, say in January. It's always a tricky time for a player to leave. But yeah, I can see it happening. He's obviously not happy at Manchester United and Solskjaer doesn't seem to be too happy with the way he's playing at the moment. Well, yeah, just the one appearance this season and what are we now, seven games into the Premier League campaign, 20 appearances in total in two seasons for a player who was quite key in Ajax's run to the Champions League semi-finals not a couple of seasons ago, Marley. So, you know, he cuts a frustrated figure. As Ben says, the cameras will often zoom in on van der Beek and his reaction on the bench and you know, he must be sitting there thinking, what on earth do I need to do to get a game? And maybe it is to do with the intensity of training. We don't know what happens behind the scenes at Manchester United, but no doubt he'll be immensely frustrated at the lack of game time that he's getting at Old Trafford. Yeah, of course. Um, I think his, it's only going to get, I mean, these rumours have come out, what, a week after his, his little, did he throw some chewing gum on the floor or something like that? And that was the first time I've, we've ever seen him sort of lose it because he seems like the nicest man in the world like he seems like he could run over his dog and he'd be like oh sorry it's my fault you know <laughs> like I shouldn't I should have had him on a lead it's like <laughs> well hang on I, you know I'm a little bit to blame as well but he seems like just a really nice guy almost too nice for for a sort of cutthroat club like Man United um but having said that they were 40 he was costing 40 million quid it's not it's not quite pocket change these days it's still you know, it's not like you've picked him up for 12 million and, and if he's great then brilliant but you know they've, they've paid big money for him he was their big target when they bought him um did the deal with Ajax you know there was all this little you know back patting from each other like oh see you again next summer when we come for David Neres and who else have you got and we'll have we'll have uh you know uh, whoever whoever's next off the production line and all this like uh, well wishes you'll do you'll smash it in Manchester with all this stuff from Van der Sar and all this and it just hasn't worked out I don't know why I feel like the system now doesn't suit him but it did last season the the four four three one two formation with you know Fred McTominay and Pogba and then Bruno ahead of them and two strikers ahead of them I feel like that one of those midfield three positions he could have slotted into quite easily um but he never really got the chance and I feel like he's only going to get in the team if Bruno's injured these days and that hasn't happened I don't think I don't think Bruno's had an injury since he came to uh, came to Man United and not not that I can remember anyway but it's it's a shame for him really because I think there's a quality footballer in there and he's 24 Marley he was a mainstay in the Ajax team he's 24 and he spent two seasons now in the Premier League and he must be thinking I've not had a chance to prove what I can do yeah it's yeah, he's, I don't think he's done anything wrong. Like, like you say, you know, training might be something, but we don't see that, and we can't assume that he's crap in training because we do, we haven't seen it, and we haven't seen him totally flopping games as well. I actually think he's been all right in games when you get twenty minutes here and there. It's not, it's not an amazing, you know, you can't always properly produce in that twenty minutes. It's hard, um, and he gets harder the longer you haven't played as well. You know, if you get twenty minutes, then another fifteen, and then another five. It's just, it's hard to get consistency and I don't think he's done much wrong. Um, 
But he's, he's seen it at the weekend. Um, I think Solskjaer said, "Oh well, no one's been a been a substitute more than more for this club than me." And it's like, well, it's not about you, you ball bag. You know, stop, stop, stop this. Oh well, it happened to me, so he can still be quality. Like what you're trying to say, he's going to come on in in a Champions League final and, and top up a, a last minute winner in. You're not saying that. You just you you've root, you're sort of you're, <laughs> you're just stagnating this player now because of your own experiences. Every time, it's like when someone makes a cynical foul, he's like, well, I, I did one of them on Rob Lee in 96 and it was the best thing I've ever done. Like, you know, it, it winds me up sometimes the stuff he says because he, he's, he's not, he doesn't commit to um, like saying one thing or the other. He just sort of strings him along a little bit more like, oh, if he keeps working hard, you know, he'll get his chance. And he's, I've got no doubt in my mind that he's worked hard for the last 18 months, two years and he hasn't got a chance yet so why should he believe it? In terms of getting a chance, will that chance be at Everton because Manchester United haven't been shy of loaning players out in the past, Ben. They loaned Jesse Lingard to West Ham last season for the most recent example and look how well it worked out for Jesse when he went down to the London Stadium. He transformed the team really, gave them that extra boost they needed and they qualified for Europe and were in with a shout of getting in the Champions League places for a large portion of the back end of last season. So in terms of a loan move to a club like Everton, I wouldn't say they're a direct competitor to Manchester United despite the fact that they've had a decent start to the season. I certainly think that there is possibly an option there if Donny van der Beek needs game time and he's just not going to find it at Manchester United to perhaps loan him out and look what happened with Lingard I suppose is the example I'm trying to say yeah it's a great example as well and I think they're two players that are in very similar situations Lingard was a bit scraped for game time Donny is obviously very similar but I agree completely with what Marley said when you see Donny coming onto the pitch he does play well he doesn't play he plays it safe he always makes that pass or he doesn't want to lose the ball he'll win the ball back and he'll recycle it well but I do think that if, if he's put in the squad for a few games or he starts one and then he, he, he's involved in the next one that'll build his confidence and the performances will come with that but yeah I think sending him out on loan is not a bad idea at all you mentioned he's 24 obviously he's, he's not a young pup but that's not by no means edging towards the end of his career I'd say he's got plenty of years left so he, he can go to Everton and especially going in January, if he can produce till the end of the season, he might come back knocking on Solskjaer's door next season and say, look, you've seen what I can do. I want you to put me in the squad for next season. And that's where the mentality of the players come into it. If he wants to do that, he's got to go out and prove that he is good enough. Or he could take easy options of sitting on the bench and and obviously not playing as much football. So it'll be interesting to see what does happen with that one. But I completely agree in the fact that Sometimes it works well for the club, sometimes it doesn't. And hopefully it'll work well for the player if that does end up being the case. As you say, it's just a story in the Daily Mail at the moment. Nothing concrete when it comes to anything in terms of Donny van der Beek possibly leaving Manchester United, be it in January or after that. But I definitely think that he's a player who maybe is just a, a victim of the system that Manchester United play and maybe a victim of does anyone truly know his best position because I think there was talk about van der Beek bulking up in the summer and he has come back and he's looked uh, certainly a bit more muscular than he was last campaign and yet does that mean he's going to be played as one of those holding midfield players when actually he's pretty good at unlocking defences at times as well maybe he's a victim of his own versatility who knows but Donny van der Beek not getting game time at Manchester United at the moment I wonder whether that will change after the international break Right, that's it for today's Football Social Daily. We've reached the end of the show. Thank you very much, Ben. Great to have you on. Great debut. Um, you're a whole City fan. How are things going for whole City at the moment? I know they used to be a Premier League team, but 
I, I know exactly how that feels as well. <laughs> well, you're going back to the glory days there. But if you'd have asked me this question last week, I would have probably give you a, a very different answer. But we beat Middlesbrough 2-0 at the weekend. Fantastic. Own goal in the 81st minute. And then Wilkes finished it off in the 93rd. But I'm disappointed that obviously Marley's a Newcastle fan. That we've not had a conversation about Steve Bruce. Because for me, he's my hero. He was, a, he was in charge of the glory days. He took us to the FA Cup finals. <laughs> How did he do when he had that one talented player, Hatton Ben Arthur, at his, cl- at his club? <laughs> we'll save, save that conversation for another time. I look forward to it. <laughs> Marley, have you finished those custard creams yet? I've got two left in the pack and that is no word of a lie. <laughs> you may as well polish them off. What's the point of leaving two? I just, I can't. <laughs> oh no, sorry, there's four, there's four. That's a good little portion for tomorrow's podcast. I was going to say, if Marley doesn't make it to tomorrow's podcast, he's been rushed to the uh, to A&E with some sort of cardiac problem by the sounds of it and the amount of biscuits <laughs> he's consumed. That's it for today's episode. Thanks very much for listening in. Don't forget to hit subscribe. That way you won't miss another episode of Football Social Daily. Again, obviously, we are the only daily Premier League podcast out there. No other show gives you a new podcast seven days of the week, every single day of the Premier League season. So if you don't want to miss a beat, hit subscribe or follow, and that way you won't miss one. But that's it for today. We'll catch you again next time on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.